Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcons flight. This will be edition number 15 as the Atlanta Falcons get to their bye week here in the 2020 season and do so improving, improving to three and six. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, as usual, and we will tell you right up front, this will be an abbreviated show because the Falcons do have the bye this week. So hence no game to get you ready for but plenty to digest in that third win of the year, a 34-27 win over the Denver Broncos. Just under 8,000 folks at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so the crowds are getting a little bit bigger or they're allowing a little bit more. Robert, there's a couple things to take away from this one. You know, Matt Ryan had a good ball game. The Falcons do win the game. They did the things late in the game that they had to to hang on, and I stress hang on because – once again, they kind of hung on for dear life. At one point, they had a 27-6 to lead in this game, and they had to recover an onside kick. Imagine that. They recovered an onside Somebody taught them what to do on an onside kick. They recover an onside kick, though, all kidding aside, to hang on for a 34-27 to win. On the upside, as we mentioned, they get the third win of the year. Matt Ryan had a good game, 25 of 35, 285 yards and a score, and one pick, I should say. Finished with a passer rating of 112, but they give up 21 points in the fourth quarter, and once again, you know, the defense went a little soft in the fourth quarter, and the offense kind of went a little stagnant. So a lot of the same patterns that got them beat in some of these amazing losses earlier in the year showed their head, but fortunately for the Falcons, they were able to fight these things off. Yeah, they definitely got enough done to get the win, obviously. And Ryan, has he's lifted his play lately. He's completing 70% of his passes in these last four games, eight TDs, two INTs. If you're looking for positives, fans, I mean, they're 3-1 and one under Raheem Morris. If they somehow don't manage to beat themselves by scoring a touchdown <laughs> against the Lions, they're 4-0. and oh. Yeah, that is a positive thing. that They've won three out of four, and obviously they should have won all four of those games. They kind of snatched that game away defeat-wise from the Detroit Lions. But you can bet that they're going to use this bye week to try to get better. And speaking of bet, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, 
your online sportsbook experts. They were without Calvin Ridley, and this young receiving group is one area that has shown a lot of promise. They really stepped up in this game, and we'll hear from some Falcons folks about that coming up in a little bit. But as much as they may not have some depth, as much as they obviously haven't drafted well in certain areas, they did a really good job, I think, in building the core of this receiver group when you get below Calvin and Julio Jones. Yeah, those guys, I mean, you know, Russell Gage has done nicely this year and then the new guy is second year receiver i got a oz yeah. let's just call him oz he had over 100 yards in the broncos game and you know i said last week i didn't know what i wanted out of the falcons and i thought about it some more and i know what i want out of the falcons now i do want them to try to turn this thing around i do want them to try and win I don't think they're going to have a shot at Trevor Lawrence, and we don't even know if he's going to come out yet or not. He could stay for his senior season. We don't know. Insiders will tell you he may leave, but we don't know that yet, and I think there's just going to be too many other bad football teams out there ahead of the Falcons, but I think the city of Atlanta and Arthur Blank owe it to Matt Ryan. That's where I'm at right now. We owe it to Matt Ryan. He's done a lot for the city. He's done a lot for the team. He's been there. He's got the weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I think we just need to stouten up the defense and really try to make a solid run and get him a championship in Atlanta. Scott Johns has talked about it ad nauseum. I mean, if you look at the one glaring weakness on that team, it continues to be the pass rush. And we'll get into a little bit more things pass rush related a little bit later in the show. But suffice to say, they still struggle to get opposing quarterbacks on the ground to get them off their spot. And hence, there isn't a secondary in the league that's going to hold coverage for very long. you got to get that quarterback off the spot or at some point he's going to pick you apart. And it's happened to him all too often. Yeah, I guess we could take a term from our swirly section. Instead of calling it a pass rush, we can call it a pass flush. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, speaking of pass rush, Tack McKinley, like, yeah, what happened to that guy? Because at the beginning of the season, it was, oh, hey, Tack's in a contract year. Everybody's excited. Dante Fowler, hey, I'm ready to go out there and wreck it. He, he seemed like he was all on board. I would love to get Scott on the phone or maybe see him in the restaurant and try to get some dirt on that. But seemingly it just all went south really fast and then he sends out that weird tweet and yeah he gets cut and now he's with the Bengals. so yeah and we'll get into that a little bit later and you know if you wanted a poster child area of the team that's a weakness for the reason thomas dimitrov got fired one of the many but the reason i think that stands out at least for me personally is the failure and the draft picks and the capital spent trying to bolster that pass rush we're not only talking about tack mckinley Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley was let go by the Titans last week, went up there and stole $9 million. And Tack McKinley, of course, you know, the mental issues that apparently have plagued him. You got to have it right upstairs, man. To be a gamer, to be a really solid player, you got to have it right between the ears, too. And a lot of times, you know, you can be a physical, raw talent, and teams that draft the physical, raw talent guys that don't have it together between the ears are perennial loser teams. Yeah, and, you know, everybody, it's no secret that the Falcons have drafted some great players throughout the years. I mean, you know, Deion Sanders, Matt Ryan, yeah. Julio Jones. There's, sure. there's been some good ones. They really have. But even going back to when the Smith family owned the Falcons, I mean, that was everybody's biggest grumble and gripe is, God, we just waste our draft picks. We draft these morons that don't ever work <laughs> out. And, you know, and one I pointed to was uh, Peter Kahn's. I think he came out of Wisconsin. That was another draft pick that went bust for Dimitrov. So for every good draft pick Dimitrov has, he has one, if not two bad ones. 
that never played out. So, yeah, and you can make that case for general managers across the league. You know, you're not going to hit the bullseye every time you throw a dart, but the pass rush has been one area that they have specifically focused on in multiple drafts and have come up snake eyes in every instance to this point. And we'll see. They really haven't had a dominant pass rusher since John Abraham. I mean, let's just admit it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Scott said that on the last show we were on. They've got to spend some money or develop somebody somehow because everybody knows. I mean, it's the that's the old tale in, in the NFL. Get to the quarterback, effectively disrupt him, get him out of rhythm, and you got a great chance at beating any team, no not, matter how good they are. Yeah, not to mention the fact that the league has become more and more pass-happy than it's ever been at any point in its history. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a nuclear physicist to figure out that you've got to have somebody that can get pressure on those guys. Quarterbacks nowadays, if they can stand back there, not to mention in the age we're in of mobility and the Russell Wilsons of the world that are able to throw accurately off the run, Lamar Jackson's another one. I mean, you've got to get that guy off his spot, and you got to get hurries, and you got to get knockdowns. It doesn't have to just be sacks. It's just pressure in general. Yeah, and, and you got to have some speed at defensive end these days too. Like you said, with guys like Russell Wilson and all these other cats that can run with the ball and, and make plays with their feet you got to have a guy that can chase him down and get after him. So it'll be an interesting offseason. I don't think that guy is on the team right now. They definitely need to address it once again. Yeah, I would think that you need a couple of them. I mean, at this point. Now, Dante Fowler, they went out and signed him and spent some money on him. He's been plagued by a high ankle. I get that. And maybe he becomes the guy that they hoped he would here in the second half of the season. We'll certainly find out as they're nine games in, and he's largely been ineffective to this point. But he does have a history of being a guy, if used properly, and if he's complemented properly, can get the job done. So if you're able to keep a fowler in the fold and maybe you complement him with a piece on the other side, eh, who knows how this is all going to play out, man. Schematically, this could change dramatically next year because you don't know who they're going to bring in. They don't know who the head coach is going to be. They don't know who the general manager is going to be. Philosophically, there are a lot of question marks as we sit here today, nine games into 2020. Yeah, I would love to be inside Arthur Blank's brain right now and and just wonder what he's thinking because – you know, I said I want him to try to win for Matt Ryan and try to keep this team together, but he could hire a GM, and the GM could go, Arthur, we're blowing it up. I'm getting Matt Ryan out of here. I'm going to try to get some picks for Julio. I mean, you don't know. Arthur has a history of not being a Jerry Jones, as in if he hires it, well, first of all, Jerry's never hired a general manager. He just declared himself one, and you see the mediocrity that has ensued over the years. Arthur's never been that kind of guy. My guess would be that Arthur will – give a clean slate to whoever he does hire and if that general manager decides they're better off blowing it up and trading all the bigger name guys then that's going to happen arthur's not the type that hires football people and then dictates to them how to do their business and the falcons gonna have some money problems too coming up yeah and a lot of people said well you can't move matt you can't move julio it's dead money cap space One day I'm going to sit down and actually read about that and master it. It's a little complicated when you talk about dead money and cap hits and stuff like that. I mean, those guys that handle that for professional teams are really smart, mathematical. Yeah, you have to have capologists now in front offices to be able. And you know a lot of what happens in these, when contracts get restructured and backloaded and 
you know, signing bonuses. There's a lot of things that factor into this. A lot of times they'll give a guy a huge signing bonus because it counts differently, but then they'll defer and backload a bunch of the money later on so that they can improve the rest of the team. As much as you're not a fan of him and, you know, we all know what kind of career he's had, Tom Brady restructured his several times, and I believe he's going to be getting paid for a long, long time well after you know, I, he's done playing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, I mean, God. Bobby, Maybe not Bobby Bonilla level. Yeah, he took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. the, the Braves actually just several years ago finished paying, it was either Rick Mailer or Rick Camp. Yeah. Well, Rick no, Camp one, passed away yeah. a couple of years ago, so I hope they finished paying him. Yeah, but it, it really, it was a contract from the 80s. And yeah. he had it worked out to where, hey, you're, you're going to pay me X amount of dollars for X amount of years. and. A lot of people that I told that to were like, really? And I was like, oh, yeah. I think just about every team has somebody like that. But I fully believe that whatever GM or head coach they bring in, if they say, hey, Matt, we're going to keep you. Hey, Julio, you know, we're going to keep this offense together. I, I think they want to win badly enough. And Julio Jones has said it a million times. He said, I'll trade touchdowns for wins any day of the week. I don't care about touchdowns. I want to win. I think they would restructure their contracts to be able to shuffle some money around and, and get somebody in here that could contribute. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, most players are committed to trying to go get a ring. And, you know, that will absolutely help their bottom line going forward, whether they're getting paid as much as they'd love this year or not. Let's get into our sound cuts, if we may. Matt Ryan talks here, and we mentioned 25 out of 35, couple of touchdown passes and a pick, and really utilized the younger receivers quite a bit without Calvin Ridley. But here he is on, are you ready for it? The first two-game win streak of the season. <laughs> Here's Ryan on that. Feels good. You know, obviously I thought we did a lot of really good things today. Certainly still have a lot of things to clean up, but... To put two back-to-back -back is good. Now we got to get some rest and find a way to get it to three. Well, we've talked about the young receiver group, OZ, as we said we would call him, and Brandon Powell. Both figured in this one. Both had touchdown catches. And here is Ryan on that young receiver group. I love our group. It's a group of guys that works extremely hard. They're all talented. They're all tough. They're involved in the run game. They're not scared to go over the middle, catch balls, play physical. It's a really good group. I've been lucky throughout my career to play with some great players, and this group is right up there with any of them. Well, of course, one guy that isn't one of the young receivers, Julio Jones, but he's been a real mentor and been a real help to those guys in their development. Here's Ryan on that. He's an unbelievable mentor. There's no question about it. Who is about as generous with his time of teaching people as any player that I've been around? And, you know, he does a great job. He's got incredible experience, a wealth of knowledge understands our offense inside and out and he's certainly expedited the development of all of those guys well, ryan julio and company still need to find a better way to close out games and not stall when an opponent is trying to erase a lead that you've built here's ryan on the offense needing to close out games better than they have been yeah i think we've got a few things that, that we've got to clean up in that portion of the game things we can do better I've got to take a sack or just go down in situation so that we keep the clock moving. But there's definitely things to clean up. I think everybody needs to look in the mirror and figure out what it is that they can do better in those situations so that we can close these games out a little bit quicker. On the other side of the ball, Grady Jarrett, who, of course, has been a stalwart on a defensive line that has gotten a lot of attention for not being overly effective. Grady is not part of that. He certainly has been. And he had some pressure in that game on a particular play that led to a huge interception. Here's Grady on that. The interception was very important. Just being aggressive, hitting my gap, and just, you know, it opened up for me. So 
you know, it felt good to have an effect on that play, and Ricardo got the interception and was able to get a score after that, so definitely felt good. Grady, of course, part of the defense that has allowed some of those comebacks, but again, you don't put that on him. And they did, at least for the second consecutive week, get the pivotal stop to finish the game. Just stepping up, you know, two weeks in a row trying to finish it out on defense. And we know the omen that followed us for the first half of the season. And we did, we just wanted to step up again. And the fact that we did feels good. And we just want to continue to carry that momentum for the rest of the season. Grady makes the point here that even though you're three and six, I mean, who knows? you got a lot of division games left. There's going to be a pretty long grind of tough games coming up right after this bye week. And here's Grady on still having a lot to play for. He was chunk of the season left to play. Everything we want is still ahead of us. And we put ourselves in position to have success for this season still. We, we haven't given up. We're not giving up. And know that we can, you know, be as good as we want to be. You know, it's interesting, Rob, because, again, you take away, and you can't do it, but you take away those miraculous losses to Chicago, Dallas, and Detroit. This team could be sitting here at the bye, 6-3. and three. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, I get all that. And the miraculous way that all of those happened, you know, you can't let them off the hook for that. But the bye is a chance to, A, get healthy, get some of the banged-up guys back, and if you just plow ahead one game at a time, you look up at the end, and who knows what happens. The NFL this week, by the way, has discussed and I think approved adding yet another playoff team to the mix in this weird year. I need to double-check my math on that, but I'm pretty sure they, the league did approve adding an additional playoff team. End up like the NBA, where yeah. you got playoff the teams NHL. with, with yeah. losing records. But, hey, you know, the Falcons could make something happen. They've got the Saints twice. They've got the Bucks twice. They have a struggling Chargers team. Yeah. Now they got the Chiefs in there. <laughs> I do not envision the Falcons upsetting the Chiefs by any means, but hey, any given Sunday, you know. There's been some very bad Falcon teams beat some very good Saints teams. You know, the Saints are six and two. They've won five straight. Yeah, they look pretty good against Tampa yeah. Bay, too, by the way. And I know you I know that didn't bother you much since you're a huge Tom Brady fan. Oh, yeah, they throttled him. I mean, just thumped him bad. Yeah. And it was in Tampa, by the way. And it was yeah. the Sunday night game, I believe. It was billed as, like, the big matchup of the week. And two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, all of that. Well, only one team showed up, and it was New Orleans. Here is Raheem Morris, who should be 4-0, and but at 3-1, and having seemingly turned things around a little bit, talking about the bye being a chance to get healthy. You know, right now, hoping to get a lot of people back. Uh, got a bye week, got a chance to get healthy. You know, these guys are being here, getting their treatment, um, having a chance to come back. We'll have a better feel for who's back and, and why these guys are back when we get back from the bye week. And we've talked a lot about, and you heard Matt Ryan talk about this young receiver group, and these guys had big games against the Broncos, OZ as well as Brandon Powell. Here is Morris on the solid play of the young receiver group and what goes into evaluating players when you bring them on board. You know, there's a lot of people that deserve credit when it comes to the evaluation of players. And you got to start um, with the, this organization has been run by the same GM. I don't know how long Thomas was here, but he was here for a numerous amount of years and the people involved in that, you know, you're talking about the Rustin Websters of the world, the Phil Irmies of the world, the Shepleys of the world, the Sables of the world, and just a bunch of different people. Matumbo, I can name all the scouts. I don't want to bore you with that, but all of the scouts going out to suck these guys out and find those guys, you know, and um, bringing those guys back to the coaches and the coaches have an ability to evaluate those guys and look at them all and bring them in. And then going to what we refer to here is that second wave of players, maybe free agents, how high you rate them, how, how much you want them on the team, the priority for agents, and then have an ability after the draft to go actually recruit some of those guys. And I was fortunate enough to be able to recruit 
a bunch of those guys just mentioned, like OZ, like Christian Blake, like Brandon Powell. We lost Brandon Powell to Detroit um, in, a, in, a, in a heated recruiting battle right down to the end. Um, the year we drafted Ridley and, um, and Rusty was all mad at me because we didn't, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't come get him. But um, it is what it is. Uh, we end up having a chance to get those guys back. But those evaluations go a long way. Um, and they stay with you throughout the process of your career and the process of being on a team. So um, things come full circle all the time. People get cut. People um, move from different spots. People contracts run out. And you have those evaluations to lean on. Coach Morris talking about that young receiver group and how things kind of play out in terms of how your personnel come together. And as you just heard him say, they had opportunities to get one or two of these guys earlier in their careers and didn't, but things have come full circle. And, you know, the NFL is an evolving process anyway, and you mentioned it earlier. Tack McKinley now leaves, now circumstances under which he left. But, you know, a good example of I wouldn't be surprised if he's not with Cincinnati next year either. Kind of an example of what I'm saying here. Yeah, I don't know if we have a Vic Beasley-type situation going on where people are doubting his football heart. I really don't know. But the Falcons – have a lot of promise. It's going to be an interesting offseason. And, and I know he wasn't the interim last year, but they credited that 6-2 and two finish to Raheem Morris taking over that defense. So you could very loosely say that on his watch, the Falcons are 9-3. and three. Now, will he get that opportunity? Blank said he had to go undefeated. He's obviously not now, but there's just so much. And, and, and really, it's what they need to be focused on, and I think they are focused on, is just finish out the season yeah. as strong as possible. And then they'll work out all the details of contracts. Because, again, Gurley was on a one-year kind of, hey, show us what you got contract. Darquez Denard, I think, is a one-year. So, hey, these guys, you know, whoever they hire as coach and GM, they might say, well, I don't want to play for them and leave town. Then you've got a running back issue. And they've got to have some strong corners. Basically, it's just going to be what it is. And we have to wait. Yeah, you just try to win as many games as you can, finish with as good a record as you can, look up when the dust settles and the season ends, and see where you are. Time for us to take a break. No guest in the middle of the show today with it being a bye week. Right here, we take a timeout. On the other side, we do look ahead a little bit more. We also are not going to have an abbreviated show and not swirl some fools. Yep, swirly segment coming up next. This is Falcon's Flight, Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, and we're back right after this. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. 
Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Falcons Flight Edition 15 rolls on. Brian Giffen, Roy, Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor. You know, I hate when I screw up over the top of the bumper music, but it is what it is. It's a bye week, so I got a whole week extra to adjust and yeah. get past all this and uh, get back on my A game. Well, before we uh, send some fools porcelain word, is that a word? Well, it is now. Yeah. All right. Assume before we send some fools to the crapper for their hijinks and folly let's look ahead now the new orleans saints provide the opposition for the next game anyway you got an extra week to get ready for them nobody has to express the fact that this is a as heated a rivalry as atlanta has and they would love nothing more than given the fact they're three and six themselves than to knock the saints off the lofty perch at six and two but they come off a just a dismantling of the Buccaneers Sunday night. Well, you know, this bye week couldn't have come at a better time because, you know, Ridley is still nursing that foot. He's going to be better, probably will play in that game. Fowler's been had a little nagging hamstring. You know, Denard's been back, but he's been nagged by a hamstring. So everybody can rest up and prepare and, and, and watch some extra film because it's Drew Brees and the Saints and Drew Brees, Hall of Famer. Sean Payton's a great coach. You know, they've done well together in New Orleans. But I think Atlanta and New Orleans are probably the only rivalry in all of sports that have an official song. Did you know they have an official song? I didn't know this. <laughs> Is until that I... that who day? Or no. Who I'm, dat? I'm, I'm going to tell you. So, overall, Atlanta leads this series 47-43. The average score is 22-21. to 21. The Falcons are responsible for handing the Saints the worst loss in the history of the franchise. 62-7 to 7 in 1973, and the Falcons broke 35 team records in that game. <laughs> wow. And I think every Falcon fan, as soon as the new schedule gets released, they start scanning it to say, hey, when do we play the Saints? Yeah. You know, everybody argues over, you know, is it the, you know, we're the capital of the South, is it us or New Orleans, and there's all kind of history. But I digress. The song, and, and you can beep this out because there is some profanity in it. Sorry, <laughs> folks at home, but, it, I mean, I'm telling a story here. In the late 80s, the Falcons were sticking it to them pretty hard. And everybody knows in the history of this rivalry that, I mean, it's a 90-minute flight. It's a seven-hour drive. Yeah. People have bought old buses to go to these games in New Orleans and Atlanta. Well, the Saints had a band come up, like one of those old, you know, New Orleans jazz bands. I think they're called Rebirth. Okay. And they had tubas and drums and everything. Yeah, yeah. And the Falcons were just pummeling them. Well, the Saints came back. And this one guy, his last name's Frazier, Phil Frazier, he uh, picked his tuba back up and started blowing on it, and the drums came in, and they started singing, talk that <laughs> now. <laughs> and they played it all the way out into the parking lot. They get back to New Orleans. They recorded it. 
Those are the only words of the song. That's the name of the song, and they've played it around the world. Wow. That's amazing because I've been around the NFL for a long time, and I never knew that. Yeah. Today's fun fact. Yeah, no doubt about it. Falcons fans and Saint fans do not like one another. So it'll be nice to see a well-rested, hopefully refocused, well-prepared Falcons team and knock off the Saints. Because like I said, if the Falcons can finish out strong, they could sneak into the playoffs. They really could. Yeah, it's going to take a lot, though, given the gauntlet of a schedule and the hole that they've dug for themselves. But nothing is impossible. With that said, what time is it? I believe... I have a reminder going off on my phone telling me it's swirly time, swirly time, swirly time. The Falcons flight crew is intolerant of jackassery. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away, where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain, where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. This is our Game of Thrones, where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment, now let's get this party started. We have lifted the lid. We have polished the handle. And it is time for the soon-to-be world-famous swirly segment. And this probably will not surprise you, but I'll go first here. And while I normally do go for the obscure, and I normally do go and find you know, weird news stories and guys that drive into ponds full of manure and, you know, various things, idiots that fall out the ceiling trying to break out of jail. I mean, one thing after the other. This time, we needn't look any further than on the football field or on the roster. I should say previously on the roster of the Atlanta Falcons. Yep, I'm swirling Tack McKinley. Five days after the former first-round draft pick criticized the organization on Twitter, including clown emojis, they waived him, and as Robert and I talked about earlier, he has since been claimed off waivers by the NFL equivalent of football hell being the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals in their history have not always been awful. In fact, when I was a kid, very young kid, they actually were annually a playoff team. They've been to a couple of Super Bowls, haven't won one. Like the Falcons, though, they've been to two of them and have lost both, including a thriller way back when Joe Montana directed the last second drive to beat him. But they have largely been not only an irrelevant franchise, but a dumpster fire in the Mike Brown era. He, of course, the son of the great Hall of Famer Paul Brown, and he's notoriously cheap and you know, we everybody knows the situation with the Bengals, but Tack McKinley is now a proud member of the Cincinnati Bengals. And look, my only point here before we shove his head into the can and push the handle is when you're employed by some look, Rob, you and I work together. I'm pretty sure if I went on social media and trashed the place that we work for and put up clown emojis and told lies about, you know, some other place offered a second-round draft pick for me. 
I'm pretty sure I'd get canned. Yeah, you'd be getting your last paycheck in the mail, probably. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, Tack, maybe you should lay off the crack and learn how to go get an occasional sack. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there, nice deep. That's the backfield, not just the toilet. Don't nobody go in the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. Somebody open the window. You see the peanut? Dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. So I don't often swirl players. I don't often swirl. I think once I swirled Mark Davis the owner of the Raiders, on our previous show. But part of the reason is I had the sound effect from the movie Dumb and Dumber. Get over here, you little pumpkin pie haircutted freak. And I couldn't resist. Over to you. This is probably my favorite one of all time. I got to say, I I laughed. I got a good laugh out of this one. This is from the New York Times, and it's dated yesterday. This is pretty recent. I showed this to you earlier in the week. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now, what was one guy is now turned into three. So I'll just read you a little tidbit, and then uh, I'll give you the kicker. It was supposed to be a fun family summer trip to Yellowstone National Park. Two cousins, a neighbor, and their families packed two chickens, canoed about eight hours, and hiked, and I hope I get it right, the Shoshone Geyser Basin. Works for me. So when they arrived there, I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit, because when you hear it, you're going you're gonna to laugh your ass off. <laughs> because of their shenanigans... They have been sentenced to two years probation, banned from the park, and they were fined between $500 and $1,200, according to court documents. Here's what these yahoos were doing. They get to their spot. They set up camp, and Eric Romreal, 49, and Eric Roberts, 51, both of Idaho, and Dallas Roberts of Utah were among a group that a park ranger found after receiving reports of people hiking with cooking pots. When the ranger finds them, what does he find? He finds the two whole chickens in a burlap sack in a hot spring. (laughs) So they're cooking the chicken in the hot spring. They They were kicked out of the park for cooking their two chickens in a burlap sack in the hot spring. Who the hell even comes up with an idea like this? Yeah, well, they said in an interview they didn't know they were doing anything wrong. And the one guy was like, you know, I'm a scoutmaster, and I was (laughs) trying to look up creative ways to cook meals and how not to rough it while roughing it. So, (laughs) oh, man, yeah. I I, I don't even, I don't even know where to go with that. Now, three of them? Yeah. They also, oh man, this just gets better. They made milkshakes out of raspberries and huckleberries they found while they were hiking, but they also tied they hot. use as a blender. Yeah, they tied hot dogs to a rope and put them in the springs as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Can you just imagine the, the park ranger pulling up, like getting on his you know radio, like, man, you guys got to get over here because <laughs> you're not going to believe this. We got three clowns with two chickens in a burlap sack and a rope of hot dogs, and they're cooking them in the spring. Like, just, That's insane. It's a man. special kind of stupid. That's insane. Hey, gang, it may not be a hot spring, but your heads collectively are going in the spring. Get over here. Water's not boiling in there. No. You can't cook a That's chicken in a toilet, everybody, just so you know. But it's swirling. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. 
and in all the history of our podcast together, this one and the previous one, I'm not sure we've ever encountered anybody who fits the latter description of one red foreman better than these three clowns. So one last note that I just saw. After the park ranger left him, he let him eat the chicken, and they said it was fantastic. <laughs> Did he have some? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Well, you see what happens when there's a bye week, guys, and this is uh, this is how we spent it. But the Falcons are 3-6. and six. They will take on the New Orleans Saints after the bye week and then starts a brutal grind, and we'll see if they're able to fight their way back into it. That'll do it for this abbreviated version of Falcons Flight. We had some fun today, I can promise you that. But stay tuned for the next one. That'll be episode 16. We'll have it next week as we set up the Falcons and the Saints' first of two meetings, and obviously important for Atlanta if they're going to become relevant again. That'll do it for today. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Falcons Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.